It is Saturday, June 27th, 2020. I'm Kevin Williams. This is the LDS Live Podcast. I am actually solo today. Believe it or not, yes, I am solo. Uh, it's, it's been a long time since I've been, uh, I've been solo. But you know what? There's so much to talk about, and I'm sure people are wondering, what do you think of this, this, this? Well, we're going to talk about a uh, very hard-hitting subject today. And the reason we're going to talk about it is because it's big in the news. I think it's worth talking about. It is not my favorite subject to be talking about, but we need to. Because I have a lot to say about this topic. No, we are not talking about Black Lives Matter. What we are talking about is the disturbing case of Chad and Lori Daybell. Now, let me just speed you up on what's happened, uh, the timeline of all this. I don't want to get too deep into the timeline because there's places where you can go find all that information. But I'm just going to give you the timeline based on my research and, uh, you know, people I've talked to and such. Let me just give you the timeline of, let, let's talk about Chad Daybell. Chad Daybell was a well-liked person. He was a basketball star in his ward he reminds me he probably i'm not saying he was but from what i have gathered he probably was one of those people are you in sports no but i play church ball why do i say that because he was actually uh, treated as a star on the church ball team back when he was in high school grew up in springfield utah went on a mission i assume he went on a mission i didn't catch the fact that he did but i assume he went on a mission and came home, got married. His wife put him through school. Very, very typical. When I say his wife put him through school, I'm talking about his wife worked and put him through school while he was going to college. And then his wife became a homemaker while he worked, while Chad worked for the Standard Examiner. In 2001, uh, Chad actually worked for uh, a publishing company, and that publishing company was called... Uh, that publishing company was called Cedar Fort. Then in 2000, uh, then in 2004, uh, Chad started his own publishing company called Spring Creek Books. And it was there that he published a bunch of books. One of them was called Standing in Holy Places. Now, I'm not going to lie. Standing in Holy Places sounds very intriguing. I read it. Or I, I read about it, I should say. I read about the book. I know it's a series. I know it talks about somebody, a family, that where the elect get deceived, and then they join a bunch of families and moving up to the mountains. It uh, reminds me of that song, The Elders of Israel, where it says, O Babylon, O Babylon, we, leave, we leave, give thee farewell. We're going to the mountains of Israel to dwell. Notice I'm not going to sing it. I'm not that great of a singer. But nonetheless, uh, and then he talks about the edge of heaven, where he's uh, he discusses his near-death experiences. He apparently had two near-death experiences. One of them was where he saw his grandfather after he hit a big wave while he was surfing in California. And his grandfather supposedly told him the future or his future and the future of his children and then he claims that he's had both sides of the veil open, or, yeah, both sides of the veil open. Obviously, this side, the world, and then the other side. So he's claimed that he's had the other side of the veil open to him all the time. So 
And we'll get into what I think about that later. Then uh, Chad and Lori meet up eventually at a conference in 2018 called Preparing a People. Preparing a People, from what I can tell, has something to do with people who want to prepare themselves for the second coming. You probably get a lot of survivalists talking there on how to do so. I've never actually listened to any of their podcasts because I could not get any of them to play. But from what I can tell in the research, it's where you can get information on survival. You know, people who go to PrepperCon in Salt Lake. You know, the PrepperCon, I don't think they're going to have it this year, but PrepperCon is an event down in Salt Lake. In Sandy, usually it's at the Bank of America Center or uh, Mountain America Credit Mountain America Credit Union Center, and that used to be the Expo Building in Sandy. And I've been there once; it's pretty cool. Uh, they just have a lot of items that you would want for emergency preparedness, like a stun gun, uh, sun stalker that actually stalks the sun wherever it goes. The sun goes; it rotates around a certain object and it catches the sun. You can use this camping. I, I, a salesman told me that, you know, people hook this up to their camper, their trailer, and that's, they get the sun, the solar instead of the energy. They probably do. And it probably works just fine for them, I would imagine. You know, I don't know if it works better than a generator. I've never tried it, but I'm sure it works just fine. You know, you've got these Berkey uh, filtration systems. No, this is not an advertisement, but a Berkey filtration system is one of those things that you pour uh, water into a five-gallon jug, and then you put it on the top of this filtration system, then it filters clear down into a reservoir of water. And it, my understanding is it takes about 12 hours to get this done, but great a great thing to have if you're going camping. You know, so they have all, I'm sure that they have all these kinds of talks, you know, not just about the second coming, but about survival. Chad Daybell spake at one of these conferences, possibly several, but at least one, the one that Lori attended. Lori and Chad hit it off pretty well. You know, and then uh, let's talk about Lori. Lori's a little suspicious. Uh, gosh, uh, she's a little mysterious. I don't understand, in Lori's case, why so many people have seemed to have died who associate with her. We'll get into that in a few minutes. Lori graduated from Rialto uh, Eisenhower High School in Rialto, California in 1991. Lori, from uh, one account, a friend of hers said she will probably go to BYU and serve a mission. Well, that's ironic because it's quite the contrary. But Lori was probably one of those people that was into the gospel, would share it with anybody at her high school. She would not be afraid to talk about it. I don't know Lori personally, but perhaps she was one of those people that wouldn't hesitate to give you a Book of Mormon if you were a non-member friend of hers. Who? This is just going off of things that I have read. I I would imagine this could be the case with Lori. And she was probably a good member of the church at that time, from all accounts that I've read. Where it gets a little fishy, though, is uh, she gets married in 1995, I believe is what it is, to Joseph Ryan. Then something happens. They get a divorce. And uh, while, while they were married, they had a son named Kobe. Then... Uh, in 
she got married to Charles eventually. And they had a... Oh, and while Charlie was married to... Uh, or while Laurie and Charles were married, uh, Tylee was born. Meanwhile, before... Uh, I guess it was uh, during the divorce or after the divorce, a very bad custody battle happened. And uh, Joseph got custody of one of the kids. And uh, Tylee was born in 2002. And then, in, yeah, in 2006, she married Charles. And then they had a son, or they got custody of a son named uh, J.J., Joshua. I don't know what his middle name is, but they called him J.J. So there's a lot of things. And, you know, the thing that gets me when I read about Lori is all these people have died who have associated with Lori. For example, even if they're related to her, for example... In 1998, Lori had a sister named Stacy. Stacy had a kid, and uh, she Stacy named her kid Melanie. Melanie and Lori became very close. Well, Melanie married somebody in 2008. In October of 2019, he died. Uh, Charles, Lori's ex-husband, died around that same uh, died. Uh, um, I believe it was a short time before that. And one time, it was before Lori moved out to Rexburg, which we'll get into in on July 11th, 2000. Or yeah, July 11th, 2019, Lori and Charles get into an argument over a custody battle, I guess. She, uh, Lori, uh, Charles came to pick up BJ or something, and Lori and Charles got into it. Charles hit uh, Alex on the ba on the head with a baseball bat. Alex shoots ch uh, Charles in self-defense. Then he performs CPR on Charles until the cops get there and the paramedics. Then in uh, October, Charles dies. Speculation has it that Alex killed Charles. Uh, actually, I'm not. I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember when Charles died, but it was around that same time or sometime later. Well, Charles died uh, in October of 2019, the same time, around the same time that Lori's kids died. You know, this gets really suspicious. Melanie's ex-husband dies. Lori's niece, Melanie's ex-husband dies. All around the same time, uh, just the, around the same time Charles dies and the kids die. It kind of reminds me to be honest with you, of uh, the Clintons. A lot of people who were close associates to the Clintons blowing the whistle on them. Uh, that's It's reported that uh, there is a lot of deaths reported to the with the Clintons. I certainly believe that the Vince Foster death had more to do with Vince Foster dying. I, I think that it had, I'm a little suspicious about that. But it kind of reminds me of the same thing. You read about all these deaths that were associated with the Clintons, and meanwhile, there's a lot of deaths that are associated with Lori, isn't there? Now, let's get into some of the weird things that uh, Lori and Chad were involved with. And there's a reason I'm going down this rabbit hole, because I definitely have some commentary that I want to give you at the end of this. And this is what I really want to talk about, is my commentary when I'm done with all this. So let's get to it. Lori meets Chad in 2018. They correspond through email. 
Well, uh, then it starts getting deeper and deeper. Lori tells Chad, I guess, that, uh, or Chad tells Lori that he's married, and Lori, I guess, is married. And yeah, Lori was married at this time, I guess, or something. No, I think Lori got a divorce at that, uh, yeah, around that time. But Chad is still married. Lori knows about it. Oh, it's no big deal because I had a revelation that we were married in another life, and I lived five lives on this earth now, and I've lived uh, 31 lives. You've lived 18. We can get married. It's no big deal that we talk and show affection because I've been married to you before. Meanwhile, Lori, uh, Chad has a vision that Lori needs to move up to Rexburg. This was, pro well, I don't know when this vision supposedly took place, but we do know in mid-2019, probably sometime in July, after that uh, dirty custody uh, argument that Charles and Lori got into, is when she moved up there. And guess how Chad tells Lori how, why, or guess how con uh, Chad convinces Lori why, why she should move to Rexburg. I prayed about it. You need to pray to get the same answer. Yeah, how many of us have heard that line over and over and over again? It's kind of like, you know, a young naive girl at uh, BYU or BYU-Idaho pick a college it's owned by the church and i'm not picking on the church i'm just saying this kind of behavior i've seen it over and over and over at these places a guy has a naive girlfriend oh i went to the temple today and i had a revelation that we need to get married oh and by the way you need to pray and get the same answer and he just gets manipulated to the point where she believes him and thinks that she receives an answer on his own now, I'm not saying that this does not happen and it's not sincere, but it's rare and the general authorities have warned us, don't fall for this kind of talk. They have warned us over and over again. Uh, John, by the way, talks about this. Uh, he gives a quote from one of the general authorities. I think it's uh, Joseph Fielding Smith, I think, is who he quoted from, I believe. I don't have to check, but I think that's right. But he has talked about it. Several people have alluded to this kind of behavior. Basically, when you hear that kind of, of, of talk, stay away. Now, I realize in uh, patriarchal blessings and such, there are cases where it says you will meet your wife and is real uh, specific about it, or you'll meet your husband, but that such cases are rare. I believe that this was a tactic for Chad to manipulate Lori. We'll get into that later. So Lori goes up to Rexburg. Before Lori goes up to Rexburg, though, Chad used to come visit Lori, I guess. And one of his visits, he put a portal in Lori's closet so that she could have access to Chad. This kind of reminds me of a, a, science, a science fiction book where you can teleport yourself to a certain location or you could send uh, telepathic messages to somebody. You know, this gets really bizarre. Well, when Chad is, uh, when, Ch when Lori is up in Rexburg, it has been reported from a very reliable source, Lori's ex-best friend, Melanie Gibbs, that Lori and Chad show affection to each other. 
And since not very many people know who Tammy is, uh, Chad's current wife, or Chad's then wife at the time, uh, nobody cares, I guess, or nobody questions it. Let's talk a little bit about Tammy. Let's talk about the fact that Tammy was born in California, moved to Springville when she was in high school. Or no, 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 I'm talking about, yeah, uh, no. Tammy was born in California, met Chad at BYU. They got married in 1990 in the Manti Temple. And, of course, that's when Chad was, uh, you know, during that time he was going to college, worked for the Ogden, Ogden Examiner. Uh, 2004 is when he founded his publishing company, Spring Creek Publishing. And, by the way, it is noteworthy to mention that some of Chad's books, and I'm not sure which books were published by, uh, were carried by Siegel Books Book and Tape, but they were carried by Siegel Book and Tape, and you should know, for those of you that don't live in Utah or don't have a Utah connection, really, other than the church, Siegel Book and Tape, their whole thing was, and probably still is, but it, it was at the time, Oh, we sell church books, but we sell them at a discount. So you get them cheaper at Deseret Book. Now, Deseret Book since then has bought out Siegel Book and Tape in recent years. So I really don't know what the difference is. But I remember uh, back in 2001 especially, 2001, 2002, it was very common that I would be listening to a talk show like Rush, Dr. Laura, Michael Reagan on 570 KNRS which used to be called Family Values Talk Radio, it was not unusual that during those shows, you would hear an advertisement from Siegel Book and Tape. You know, they'd say, now at Siegel Book and Tape, why we sell this tape or we sell this book. And everybody knew that if you bought a book from Siegel Book and Tape, which was kind of the equivalent of Desert Book in a way, then you were pretty safe to buy it. It wasn't like uh, it was some hokey publisher or something. So in all intents and purposes, if you bought a Chad Daybell book from Siegel Book and Tape, in your mind, you were buying a book that was safe because it was carried by Siegel Book and Tape, which carried books and tapes at Desert Book that were at a discount price. So for all intents and purposes, um. In your mind, you were pro you didn't have anything to worry about. And like I said, uh, Chad Daybell's books uh, do sound rotherly interesting, especially Standing in Holy Places and Times of Turmoil. Times of Turmoil is interesting. It's actually a sequel to Standing in Holy Places because uh, Times in Turmoil talks about uh, this guy who returns from his mission and is trying to lead people out of uh, Babylon. And he just gets distracted by a girl that's interested in him. And the world gets in more trouble because of biological terrorist attacks. It gets really interesting. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit more about Tammy. And then I want to go back to Lori. And I'm bouncing back and forth here because I want to put this all together at the end. But uh, let's talk about Tammy. She was, uh, it, while in Rexburg, in the Young Women's Presidency, girls' camp director, and uh, a librarian at an elementary school. By the way, speaking of Tammy and her being a librarian, she had a library uh, when she was 
little, I guess. I guess she started a library at her house that her siblings could actually check out books, and she would give a library fine if you didn't turn them in, things like that. So she was quite the entrepreneur. Kind of reminded me a little bit of reading the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, where uh, Robert Kiyosaki and his friend Mike were encouraged to start a library to make money. And that didn't work, so uh, Robert's rich dad convinced him to do some other things to make money. So uh, it reminded me of that. So Tammy was quite the reader. When uh, Tammy had kids, uh, when they were little, and Tammy was a homemaker, she actually encouraged her kids to read, and they would spend, I don't know, probably at least once a week at the library, Similar to what my mom did to my older siblings, uh, to my two siblings that are just a few years older than me, you know, I, I remember we would go down to the library, oh gosh, back in the summer of 84, probably even the summer of 85 even, and my mom would just uh, encourage my brother and sister to read and check out books and my mom even asked me, do, do they have Braille books? Yeah, they did. Unfortunately, I did not read any of them, but I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, but my mom even checked out, well, she checked out a tape. She let my uh, siblings check out a tape, and then I would listen to the tape. So a very typical housewife, a good, a good Latter-day Saint housewife, something that they would do. You know, uh, um but Lori, uh, Chad, I think, really messed up Lori because, you know, Lori was having all these visions. In fact, when Lori lived in Hawaii for a while, Lori had a nanny. This is back in the early 2000, I don't know, around 2006 or so, when Lori and her current or her ex-husband Charles went to the library or went to Hawaii to run a business, and they were running a juice bar similar to one in Austin, Texas. Because remember, Lori lived in Texas for quite a while, so she obviously knew a little something about this juice bar in Austin. Lori's nanny said, if you want to know how Lori thinks, read the book Visions of Glory. Visions of Glory is a book that talks a lot about somebody's opinion of the last days where they would there would be tent cities across America and... A lot of people would live in the mountains and so forth. And Lori was really into this, and she got she uh, got into Julie Rowe, and I think that's when about the same time when she went to this conference. By the way, it's noteworthy to mention to you that... Uh, sorry, that's my Alexa going off. Um, it is noteworthy to mention that Chad did publish Lori's book, that, or not Lori's book, Julie Rose's book. Sorry, folks, I know this is unprofessional. Uh, anyway, Chad did publish Julie Rose's book in 2015, and that's when Chad decided that he needed to move his family to Rexburg. So what do I think of all this? I think this is, re I think this is nutty. Chad is a lunatic and needs to be put away. If you think Chad is going to get off in the trial, you're wrong. Now, I could see in worst-case scenario, best, well, best-case scenario for him, 
I could see him taking a plea bargain and pleading guilty to get a lesser sentence. I could see that. But there is no doubt that Chad is a lunatic and is guilty. I think either Chad or Lori, or both, were involved in killing Lori's two children, Joshua, or, uh, yeah, Joshua and Tylee. When somebody tells you, oh, my ex-husband has, uh, has a friend that died and his, his friend is an evil spirit and took over Charlie's body and Charlie's a zombie and uh, Joshua is now a zombie, goes through mood swings. Melanie, Gif Melanie Gibbs said that... Uh, this child, the JJ, also known as Joshua, was autistic. And it is very typical for autistic children, especially JJ, who was seven at a two-year-old level, to go through mood swings. I have been around an autistic child. This is very common. I'm not saying it happens to every autistic child, but it does happen. And I've been around people who were five and at the mental level of a two-year-old. And I had to talk to them like a two-year-old because that was the level that they were at. And it was not unusual for them to go through mood swings or whatever. Here's where I think, here is what I think happened. Obviously, Chad was into visions, supernatural, whatever you want to call it. His problem, though, is he made his visions a religion. Now, do I believe that you can receive visions? Yes. Do I believe in personal revolution? revelation? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that I receive revelation for the whole world. I don't. Now, I could receive revelation for my family if I had one. I could receive revelation on how to deal with somebody, but God would never, ever, ever tell me to kill somebody. Now, some will say, well, Kevin, God told, Laban, told Nephi to kill Laman. Yes, but that was a very, very extraordinary circumstance. That was because Nephi needed to get the plates. And... It was better that one person perish instead of a nation. That was a very exceptional case. I can guarantee you, unless I am in serious danger, I mean real serious danger, God is not going to tell me, Kevin, kill so-and-so because you don't like him. Kill so-and-so because he's in your way. No. And furthermore, Heavenly Father does not do things in secret. A lot of this was done in secret. Let me give you an example. Did you know that when Lori's kids went missing, two days before Thanksgiving, Chad called Lori's best friend, or ex-best friend, but best friend at the time, Melanie. Melanie gives and said, you need, if the police call you, just hang up. Don't talk to them. Well, Chad and Lori had nothing to hide. Why would you get such a call? 
honestly, if they had something to hide, okay, even the Bundy family had nothing to hide. They were opened about not paying their grazing fees. They had nothing to hide. They were opened about it. If you had something, if, if, if you didn't have anything to hide, why would you tell somebody to do such a thing, especially if, someone, if your wife was that person's best friend? And then Lori calls a short time later. Oh, everything's fine. Oh, uh, just tell the police that uh, the kids are with you, uh, that you're going down to Arizona to pick them up. And, Lori, and Melanie said no. And that's when she got started telling her something was wrong. My point is, God does not do things in secret like this. You know, people who have died because of these visions. This isn't just one person that died in a, in a freak accident. Doesn't it make you suspicious that Lori's... Two ex-husbands died, Joseph and Charles. Doesn't that make you suspicious? And where's Alex, Lori's brother? In the, where's he in the picture? Because uh, at one point, Alex did shoot Lori's ex-husband, Joseph Ryan, with a stun gun in self-defense. Now Joseph Ryan is dead. Charles is dead. The kids are dead. There is something going on. And as much as I believe in uh, visions, and as much as I believe in personal revelation, this was carried too far. You know, there are people who carry things to the most extreme, aren't there? There are people... Lori used to say things like, the last days will be so bad, we might as well get into a car and jump off a cliff. No, 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 no. God never told us to do such a thing. We are supposed to endure until the end. Now, I'm not the one to judge. If someone commits suicide, I'm not that person's judge. I don't know what will happen. But I'm just saying God has told us specifically to endure to the end. And actually, if you listen to my last podcast, Sam Bushman and I talk about what the future holds for this country. We discuss tribal communities, constitutional communities, whatever you want to call it. We discuss how like-minded people will probably gather together. We're starting to see the, the beginnings of that, aren't we? Now we're starting to see it in a wicked way with the people in Seattle, these autonomous zones. But we're starting to see this, aren't we? We're starting to see the beginning of it, aren't we? Yes. And so I would submit to you that righteous people are going to gather together, and you're probably, I think you're seeing the beginnings of that too. You know, I've heard people over the last 10 years, oh, I'm moving to this place because there's more like-minded people there. I'm moving to this place because there's less government regulations. I know somebody like that. I know two people like that in person. And no, it is not the Bundy family. These are other people I know just from my associations with other folks. I've met these people. One of them I know has a home down in central Utah. And he bought it in case things get really bad. He's going there. You know, so we're starting to see the beginning of the beginnings of this. 
it's kind of like uh, the, what the Bible talks about, separating the wheat and the tares. So my point is, if you hear all this, that sounds exciting to me. When you get like-minded people together, form your own sustainable community, that to me is exciting. We're not supposed to give up just because the world is ending. You know what? I believe that there's a reason why we don't know when the Savior is coming. There's a reason, because if we knew, do you know how easy it would be for us to just sit back and eat food all day and say, oh, the world's going to end at this time. What do I have to worry about? We would have that tendency, wouldn't we? I believe, and this is just my belief, I'm not preaching church doctrine, I believe that there is a reason we don't know when the Savior's coming. It was planned that way so that we would progress, so that maybe we could slow down evil. Maybe we could stop evil for a time in our government, in our community, in our homes, wherever. Maybe we can stop for a time or slow it down. So I don't buy this nonsense that Laurie said, oh, uh, the last days are going to get so bad that we, we're going to have to, we might as well just get into a car and jump off a cliff. I don't buy that for a second. Should we be prepared? Absolutely. Should we get food storage? Of course. Should we get one of those built uh, Berkey water systems? Well, I'm not going to say no. You should probably you should get a water uh, water filtration system. It doesn't necessarily have to be a Berkey, but yeah, we should get things like that to prepare because things will get bad. But I don't think that we need to jump off a cliff. I don't think we need to kill people so that they don't have to witness it. It's actually supposed to be, and I think we forget and I forget, it's supposed to be an exciting time when uh, during the second, uh, before the second coming. If you're prepared, of course there's going to be bad things that happen to you. Of course you might, ha you might get uh, seriously injured or someone may seriously injure you because you took an unpopular stance on something. But if you endure that and keep hold fast to the iron rod, to the word of God, I think God will perform miracles for you. So when people say, oh, th this is going to be so bad, I want to jump off a cliff, I choose to stay away from that person as much as I can. Because that just sounds like a lunatic to me. And I'm sure it does to you as well. You know, there are people who thought they were being led by the Spirit, but they weren't. You know, I, I've had people come up to me. I, I had somebody come up to me, and I'm not saying she wasn't inspired. Well, let me give you an example. My dad was single for a while when my mother passed away. My dad told me that there were women that he would take out and they would tell him, oh, the Spirit told me that we need to get married. Now, had I had it more together and I was more with it at that time, I would have said, Dad, here's what I would have said. I'd have laughed and said, that's funny, because the Spirit didn't tell me that. That's exactly what I would have told the woman. I'd have laughed and said, that's funny, because God didn't tell me. And if the woman said, pray about it, I'm out. I'm out of there. I'm getting away from her as soon as I can. Because that, to me, is a tactic of manipulation which is exactly what Chad did. And there are people like that. You know, there are instances where people think that they are being led by the Spirit, but they're not. Let me give you an example. 
We believe, for those of you that are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints who may have stumbled upon this podcast, we believe in uh, baptisms for the dead. We No, we do not go into a temple and baptize a dead body. No, we do not do that, but we uh, perform ordinances for them. And I personally know somebody, I'm not going to mention his name, but I know somebody who was who swore up and down, the Spirit told her to do Karen Carpenter's work. I'm not kidding. And I don't know what this person did or didn't do. This, this person's ex-wife, did, if she even got around to it. But you hear these stories. And as comical as they are, I just have to say, you're, not, you're a nut job. So be careful when you're around somebody that said, oh, I, I had a vision, this is this, and we're, supposed to, we're all supposed to do this. Be careful. There are people out there with a hidden agenda. I think Chad Daybell was one of those people. Maybe he didn't start out that way. Maybe his books were legitimately supposed to be interesting. Maybe he did have a near-death experience. In high school, when he jumped off a uh, before after he jumped off a cliff, maybe he did. I believe that you can have a near death experience. I believe that sometimes you might get a feeling that uh, you know that a relative is there who's passed on. So maybe Chad did have those experiences. I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm not Chad. However, I am saying that Chad took it to the most extreme if he did have these experiences. And that's the problem. And when things are done in secret like this, that should be another red flag. Like I said, I don't think this guy's getting off. I think the, the best case scenario that's going to happen is A, a plea bargain, or B, he'll be put at a mental institution. Now, what do I think should happen to Lori? I don't know. Lori is obviously not innocent. But I do cut Lori some slack because she was definitely manipulated. And, but Lori started on this path too. She was in divisions, and I'm sure it started out innocent. Uh, I'm sure maybe she had a feeling that she needed to do something at this time. And we already know that Lori is mentally ill. Charles, at one point during their marriage, tried to get her mental help, but Lori resisted it. And so did the family. So Charles couldn't do much about it. But we already know that Lori is mentally ill. Now, I don't claim to be a psychiatrist. I don't claim to be a doctor. But from what I have read, I think Lori's a schizophrenic. I do. Because of the vision that she had that she's supposed to be She's supposed to guide the 144,000 people to the second coming, and she was supposed to be the Holy Ghost and all this. I, I, I think that that is a sign of schizophrenia. Now, you could go a step further and say, was Lori possessed? Well, I'm not going there. I don't claim to know that information. But I believe, in my opinion, that she is at least a schizophrenic. That's my opinion. So I don't know what should happen to Lori. She has to have accountability of something, though. 
she's not innocent in this. And as for all we know, I'm not saying it's true, but for all we know, she might have uh, had a stake in killing the two children. After all, they were her kids. Maybe her and Chad did it. Maybe it was Chad. We don't know. But it seems to me that Lori was involved in the killing somehow. We're going to find out when the autopsy comes comes it becomes available when that's going to happen i don't know but we're going to find out and it will not be pretty now i have some other things i want to talk to you about that i'll talk to you about next week i want to talk about black lives matter because that's starting to affect us as uh, latter-day saints and I, i'm gonna i'm working on getting some more guests on behind the scene but this is a bit of a short podcast because I just wanted to focus on uh, Chad DeBell. It's popular in the news right now. A lot of people are talking about it, and I think we need to have some discussion about it here on the podcast. And by the way, this is not the first time that we have seen nut jobs like this. Look at the Lapperty brothers from 1984. Look at the Warren Jepps crowd. Now, I'm not saying all polygamists are like Warren Jepps. They're not. I've heard of some very great people who are polygamous. I'm just saying, though, look at this crowd. They all have a common threat, abuse and sometimes death, depending on the crowd. Watch out, people. Things are going to get worse. No, we're not going to jump off a cliff and die, but things are going to get worse. This is not going to be the last time we see things like this. Be prepared. In the Doctrine and Covenants, it says, If you are prepared, thou shalt not fear. I believe that. This is the LDS Life Podcast. I'm Kevin Williams, and I will talk to you all later. Okay, let me make sure that this... I'm all right. Tell me lie.